I'm Drew Elling. Hi, Drew. Hey, sit. <laughs> Great to be here. It's an honor. I've been looking forward to this. So excited about this. Absolutely called by God to be here along with Heather. Uh, we are going to work together. Um, pastor for pastors, pastor for campus ministry, and also it's called the Fellows Initiative. You'll hear more about that. We'll be working with the, the, young, pe the young people of the church, the young adults of the church as well. So we've got a lot that we're doing. Before you say to yourself, wow, two more staff, that's expensive. I know that's what you're thinking. We're actually pretty cheap. The reason why is because we work for an organization called the Coalition for Christian Outreach. We are missionaries. We are missionaries being sent to this congregation, called to this congregation, a long way of saying we raise a lot of our salary, okay? So the church does kick in some too, and so we thank you for that, but... Um, we are here because we're called to be here and we're excited to be here as well. Um, my family, many of you have met them. My wife, Jen, way back there. Okay. They love this part, by the way. They love this part. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, almost 30 years of marriage uh, next year. And then you see Jimmy and Eden. You probably know them as well. Wow. Okay. Um, thank you for that. I've also, we've got an older daughter who lives in Minneapolis, St. Paul. She's newly married and newly pregnant. So we're going to have a grandbaby in April, our first. So I need some tips from some of you out there. Uh, our son Jackson also works for the Coalition for Christian Outreach in uh, Pittsburgh. And so he's 22. And we have a dog named Poppy. You can meet Poppy sometime. And the good news is from now on, it's a guarantee you are going to have the best church basketball team on the face of the planet. <laughs> if you know Mike Elmer, we have stood back to back and we are exactly the same height, six feet, nine inches tall. And you know the two questions that really tall people get every single day. We get two questions every single day. What is the first one? Well, it's usually, yes, how tall are you? And do you play basketball? That's right. Over and over and over. And I haven't told Mike this yet. He probably knows it. I don't know. But my favorite answer is, yes, I do play basketball. Do you play miniature golf? <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, thank you. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to work with you and come alongside you, and I'm excited for what God's going to do. He's got big, big, big plans. So it was around 6 p.m. last night that I got the call uh, from the manager calling into the bullpen saying, I really, I don't think I should go out of an abundance of costs, and I agreed with him totally. I was like, wait, you want me to go? You want me to preach? <laughs> So I, that came as well. He said, yeah, what's the best sermon for, for, from your career? Just go into the file, just pull it out and pick your best sermon out. And I was like, well, I, and I don't know if this is the best sermon of my career, but it is, it is certainly one that I am called to do today. Um, and I was thinking about one of the sermons that I did preach. This was in my first church in Pennsylvania, and I was brand new. I'd hardly preached any sermons before in my life. And the head pastor there said, we're going to do a series on Corinthians, and here's your sermon on this date, and here's your text, and I look it up, and it's all about sex and sexual immorality. I have never sweat more in my entire life. <laughs> I even had hair back there to soak it up, back then to soak it up, but um, 
I thought about pulling that one out for you, but I didn't know if that would be the best way to start. <laughs> I've also preached a series on hell. You know, hell is a real place, right? Jesus talks about hell, so we have to understand this hell thing. It was a series called H-E Double Hockey Sticks, is what I called it. And I thought, well, maybe not that one either. Uh, maybe not that series either to get started. So I thought, well, how could I start? I'm going to start with one of my favorite passages of all time. And if you ask me tomorrow, it might be a different passage or a different passage. You can relate. But this is one of my favorite passages of all time. So I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles right now. And I'm just going to read this for you if you just want to listen along as well. Jesus is beginning his ministry. And I was thinking, you know, as we ramp it up, everything Randy just talked about, how excited we are to get back together. I know, we know COVID's over. Let's be, not over. Let's be realistic. I mean, it's still going on. It's going to go on for a while longer. But we are tired of it, right? We, we, are, we, we are made to worship. We are made to be in community together. We are made to get into these life groups. We are made to do life together. We, we, we miss it. We, we desire it. We thirst for it. My question is, who does not like that the most? Satan. Satan. You see, the devil is real also. Jesus talks about hell. Do you, do you believe Jesus? He is the Lord and Savior, right? He is God in the flesh. Do you believe what's in here, the Scripture? This is God's Word, right? So Jesus acknowledges hell as a real place. He also acknowledges the devil as real as well. The devil doesn't like what we're doing. And I guarantee that as we come together in worship and as in community, and as we go out into the community to share his love and his good word and his good news, the devil is not going to like it. So I wanted to share with you today how to make the devil flee. How to make the devil flee. Listen to and hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 4 where it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted, to be tempted by the devil. So there we have the devil already. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift, he, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your, the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for that word. We know that it's in there and it's not by accident. We know that we, when we read this account, it's not by accident. You put it in your word for a reason. 
And Lord, as we recognize our lives and we think about everything we're going through, we don't nearly enough or nearly often enough acknowledge where what's really happening. So right from the beginning of the Gospels, you show us one of the things that is really happening and what we can do about it. You gave us a great example to follow. So I just pray that as we look at this together, you would give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear your will and your way. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So you might be, I'm sure you remember this story. It's a famous story. It's, it happened on Mount Everest in 1996. I'm, I'm fascinated by Mount Everest and people who try to climb them. I, I would never be one of them myself, but I always like when other people do it. It's very, very cool. But this was a tragic event, actually, that happened. It was in 1996. A blizzard occurred on the mountain after they'd come down from the summit. And there was a guy by the name of Andy Harris. Um, he was one of the guides on this trip, and he was on the mountain. And all the oxygen was gone. And he was going through this disorientation. There's a word for it. I don't know what it is, but he's going through this disorientation because he's lacking oxygen. And he calls on the radio down to the base camp, and he's, he's reporting that the stash they have, they have stashes of oxygen on Mount Everest, and they're full of oxygen in case you need it. But he says the stash that he came across on the mountain is actually, they're all empty. Actually, they were all full, but it's because of this disorientation. He had no idea what was, that they were actually all full. And he's starved for oxygen, and he's disoriented, and he argues and argues to death, to death, that they're empty. And that's what happened. They found full oxygen canisters next to his body and even one in his hand. They just couldn't convince him. The very thing that was absent from his brain this whole time, and that he needed the most to survive, this oxygen he held in the palm of his hand. He wasn't empty-handed that day of the thing he needed the most. He just didn't know it. And when it comes to this spiritual battle that we all have and that this church has and will continue to have, we are not empty-handed either you have all that we have all that we need to fight the devil and his schemes because that what it, that's what it is it's a fight it's a fight temptation for example you don't have to die on the mountain of temptation or any weakness that you have you don't have to die on that mountain of weakness because you're not empty-handed as we've said the devil is real and we must acknowledge this we must live this every day. We don't do it nearly enough, do we? And then maybe after a month of struggle in some area, we, then we finally say, well, maybe the devil is after Well, yes, the devil is after you. The devil is after us. Jesus names him. That's very important. It's, this is not a fantasy here. This is This is real stuff. Jesus names him. He acknowledges Satan and his host, is as real as anything. You know what Paul says, that famous passage in uh, Ephesians, where he says, our struggle is not, 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 I added those two nots, but 
Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of all this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's Paul talking. Do you believe Paul? Give me an amen if you believe Paul. All right, that's good. That's really good. So the devil is real. But today, what you're going to learn, or what we're going to learn something about anyway, is how to fight him, how to make the devil flee. Because we are not empty-handed when it comes to this. And he has no choice about it. You've got to know how to fight the devil. We all do. Because he is coming after you. He is coming after you. He is coming after your family. He is coming after your church. He came after Jesus repeatedly. We see this event here. It appears not only in Matthew, it appears also in Mark and Luke. So we get more details from the other uh, Gospels. Right away in verse 1. Right away in verse 1, we have Jesus was led by the Spirit We'll get to that lead part in just a second. He was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. There he is, the devil, named in Scripture by God in his word. Jesus had just been baptized. He had just accepted his mission to the cross. And what then is the very first thing that happens after that? It's this. The devil wants to fight him. The devil knows what's going to happen. He's not stupid. But he is going to fight him, and he's going to fight him to the end. He's going to do everything he can to somehow possibly throw him off of this mission. He's ready to go. He's ready to fight. He's desperate, and he's coming after you, too. He's ready to fight you, too. Like Jesus, he comes to you in your weakness. Now, yes, I did say it. Jesus had weaknesses. That's not the same as sin. If you have a weakness, it's not the same as sin. And Jesus did have weaknesses. We have, set, we have one right here, right away. Where are you weak? You need to do an inventory of your life and think about where are you weak because get ready, that's the foothold that the devil is going to have in your life. He's going to come after you in that area. And Jesus was what? He was hungry. He was hungry. Can you blame him? I mean, it was 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, okay? He is God. He is God in the flesh, fully God, but he's also fully human. He's hungry. You would be too after all of that. And there's the foothold. There it is right there. Even with Jesus, there's always a foothold. No matter how strong you are, this is Jesus here on a spiritual high just baptized 40 days, 40 nights of fasting and prayer. If anyone was ready for the devil, it was Jesus Christ. But there's still a foothold, isn't there? There's still weakness. This shouldn't be a surprise, really, for you. Remember what Hebrews says. I'm going to read that for you right now. Verse 15 of chapter 4. What does it say there? We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet 
is without sin. If the devil has a foothold with Jesus here, then guess what? You better look out, okay? You better look out. If the devil is willing to go after the Son of God, he is going to come after you and me. But let's look ahead here for a second. I love doing this, by the way. When I'm in, a, I do a funeral or something, you know, and I'm like, let's look ahead to the very end of this book. It's sort of like when you're reading a novel and you just can't stand it and you're like, okay, I got to read the last, I got to read the last page. You can do that with scripture. And you can do that here as well. Let's look to the end of this uh, moment here with Jesus in chapter four. What does it say? It says, the devil left him. The devil left him and the angels came and attended him. That's good news. So we see the good news right away. And the good news is the, the devil will leave you too. That's the promise. The devil will leave you if you, if you resist him in faith. He can't stand up to you because Jesus is in you. He can't stand up to you. And it's promised in Scripture. God promises he will flee. James 4 says, resist the devil and what? He will flee from you. He will come. He will find a foothold, but he will flee you, flee from you if you fight him. But here's the bad news. You know what the bad news is? He will come back. He will flee from you, but he will come back. He came back to Jesus many times. Luke tells us that he left Jesus here. This is a detail in Luke, but in verse 13 of chapter 4 of Luke, it says the devil left him until, until an opportune time. So he will come back. That's the bad news. He came back for Jesus and he will come back for you, but you can make the devil flee. This is so important for us to learn. In fact, it's so important that God will let you go through it. He will allow you to go through this. It says Jesus what? Was led. Who, did, who was he led by into the, into the desert? He was led by the Holy Spirit. Was the Spirit, is the Spirit dumb? Did the Spirit not know that the devil was going to be out there? No, the devil did know, or the spirit did know the devil was out there. But there's something that's so important about this that you need to face it, and we need to learn how to deal with it. The devil is real. Your temptations are real. Our weaknesses are real. You and I, we must learn how to make the devil flee. It's that important. So let's get started, okay? Let's get started, especially as we get into this new season that we're kind of feeling here, right? And we got this homecoming or you know, come, come to church and the devil doesn't like that, okay? There are two ways to make the devil flee in your life. And the first one is prepare for him specifically. Prepare for him. Don't live your life as if he doesn't exist. Prepare for him. Jesus was prepared for him, and you can be too. Luke adds here that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit when he faced the devil. He'd been fasting and he'd been praying for 40 days and 40 nights. Of course, Jesus knew this was coming, and he knew he would be weak when it came. 
and he knew the devil would have a foothold in his weakness, but he was prepared for the devil. And if Jesus is prepared for the devil, how then, this is the question, how then are you preparing? How are you preparing each day? It's not necessarily going to happen every day, but it's going to happen regularly. How are you prepared? Or how are you preparing for when it happens next? Well, Scripture says you've got to get suited up, right? Suited up. The full armor of God. That's actually part of the text that I read for you earlier from Paul. This is where he talks about the full armor of God. Be strong in the Lord. How are we strong in the Lord? How can we be strong as we face the devil? Be strong and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And then it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, are we in, a day, are we in the day of evil? Yes, we are. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Matthew says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. So when you spend time with God, when we worship together, when, we, when we, we put our faith forward in life, when we seek to be obedient, all these things that we need will be added unto us, will be prepared when we stand upon the truth, when we know the truth and the devil will flee. The second way to make the devil flee is resist him. So the first way is be prepared like Jesus was. The second, one is, second way is to actively resist him. And you resist him by what? Standing on the truth. This is what we see Jesus doing throughout this passage. The first temptation for Jesus was what? It was bread, right? Now, has anybody ever here been tempted by bread? <laughs> Fresh bread, you know, oh gosh, making you hungry, aren't I? Now, just imagine you've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and someone makes fresh bread. Okay, so that's what's going on here. And I'm guessing the devil makes some really good bread. Okay, I'm just guessing. I don't know. It sounds like he did. Because Jesus is tempted, right? That's the point. Would there be anything wrong with eating a little bit of fresh, yummy bread after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting? No. No, there wouldn't be anything wrong at all. So that's actually really then not the real temptation that's going on here. That's important for us to know. The devil isn't tempting Jesus with bread. He's tempting Jesus to use his powers to get it. All right, look at verse 3. 
It says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, you make the bread. Use your power to help yourself. So in his ministry and on the cross, would Jesus use his power, the power of God that he had at his disposal to meet his own needs or not, to save himself or not? That's the temptation, and it was tempting. If he wasn't going to save himself on the cross, Jesus knew in that moment he couldn't save himself then either. You probably remember this movie, Bruce Almighty. Mike and I were talking about Bruce Evan Almighty, but Bruce Almighty might be my favorite of the two. I don't know, but Jim Carrey was in the movie. But the point of the movie is that Jim Carrey thinks he knows better than God. Has anybody here ever felt that way? (laughs) And so God says, all right, I'm going to give you all my powers. Can you imagine having all the powers of God? The powers that created the heavens and the earth, the powers that raised people from the dead, You know, I mean, just can you imagine having all those powers? Um, What would you do with power like that? What choices would you make if you had it? It would be tempting, wouldn't it? And that right there was the foothold that Satan had with Jesus. Use your power. You know, you have superpowers also. I do. You might have the superpower of away with words, for example. I mean, you think about it for yourself. You've got your own superpowers, but what if you have the superpower of away with words? You can explain your way out of anything. You can lie and not be caught. That is a superpower, right? That is a foothold in your life. The devil's going to come after you, and it is tempting to use it. Will you serve yourself with your powers or will you serve God and will you serve others? Maybe your superpower is making money. That is not my superpower. (laughs) Some of you have the superpower of making money and multiplying money and building wealth. Okay, that can be a foothold. Are you going to use that for yourself, for God, for others? Good looks can be your superpower. I've been told that's mine. I I don't know if you agree. The devil knows how to turn your weaknesses against you, but also your strengths. He's good at both. But that's right there where Jesus gets a foothold of his own. This is where you and I can get a foothold of our own when we're facing the devil, and it's the truth. It's standing on the truth. Verse 4. Verse 4, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the truth is the foothold that Jesus had. It's the one that you have on the devil. Study God's word. Learn it. Memorize it if you can. As much as you can. Every single day, if you do and you stand on the truth in the face of the devil, he has no choice but to acknowledge that truth and to flee from you. 
But the second temptation here for Jesus is actually worse than the first. What's going on here with this? Actually, the second and the third temptation are similar here. The devil is saying that Jesus could accomplish the same thing that he was going to accomplish on the cross, but without the cross. Now, wouldn't that be tempting? You can accomplish the same thing, but not have to die a miserable death on the cross. The first temptation was to use his power to meet his needs. The, the, the next two temptations are to avoid suffering. Now, if you had an opportunity, you knew a suffering was coming and you could avoid it, wouldn't that be tempting? And, and here we have Jesus facing the cross. And so this has to be, this is tempting. Verse 5. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And then Jesus said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not do it. Wait a second. Jesus didn't have to die to get followers? That's what Satan is basically saying here. Jesus didn't have to die to get followers. You know that feeling. I'm sure I love magic and you know all these things that people do out there. When, pe- when someone does an amazing trick and you just can't even fathom how they did it. You see a lot of these on TV today and, or like Houdini, if you remember Houdini, some of the stuff he did. How did he do that? You feel amazed, don't you? You feel in awe about that. Jesus could have done that. If you had all the power of heaven and earth and created the universe and could raise people from the dead, can you imagine the tricks that Jesus could do? They would be amazing. And so what is Satan saying? He's saying, you don't have to die. You could do this another way. Show people your powers. Show people how far God will go to save you. But Jesus was prepared like you need to be. And he resisted with the truth again, and the devil had no choice but to run from him. The third temptation is just another way to avoid the cross. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the, uh, the, the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. If you bow down and worship me. All Jesus had to do is make a deal with the devil. That's all he had to do. Compromise a little bit. Basically what the devil is trying to do here is say, all right, this is the deal. You let me live. Okay? Don't win that victory on the cross. Let me live. And you can have the whole world. You can have all the same stuff. All you have to do is worship me. You just didn't have to go to the cross to get all the same stuff. Can you imagine how tempting that was for Jesus? And the devil fled this day, but he came back twice more on this point. Do you remember when he came back twice more on this point? The first one was with Peter. He used Peter. Jesus told his disciples about the cross, and Peter said, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Peter. Is that what he said? 
get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus knew exactly who was really behind all of this. You are a stumbling block to me. And then again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was tempted to not go through with it. I mean, I would be too. You would be too. Sweating blood in anguish because he knew what was about to happen to him. But then too, Jesus was prepared even in that moment. He resisted with the truth and the devil had no choice but to run. And again, here Jesus says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve him only. Notice Jesus does something that's very important that you need to remember. Face the devil. Look him right in the eye. You can do it. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because Jesus is in you. Jesus is working through you. Look him in the eye. Don't be afraid. You are stronger than the devil because of Jesus Christ in you, the Holy Spirit through you. Never forget the devil has no choice but to run. Just resist him. Look him in the eye and tell him to get out of here. Because if you're prepared and if you resist, he will run. And then look what happens. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. You will receive comfort. The kind of comfort that only God can give you. And it's great comfort. It says the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Comfort, peace in your soul. You know what that is? When you faced temptation, when you've resisted the devil, and then all of a sudden you notice something, don't you? This peace comes over you. This comfort comes over you. You know he's gone. He's had to leave because you told him to. That's a sign that you know you passed the test in that moment. That's a sign, comfort and peace. You pass the test. You're even more prepared to resist the next time now because you pass the test. So be prepared. Resist the devil, and the devil will flee. He has no choice. Unlike the guy on the mountain, you are not. He wasn't either, but you are definitely not empty-handed against the devil. Never forget, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this truth. And um, we are so just amazed by you, and we're so thankful that you've shown us through your son Jesus um, not only what the challenges are, but how to face them. We, we do recognize the devil is real, but we also recognize this. he has no power over us in Christ. We resist him in Jesus' name. I pray that as we continue to come together and we continue to worship together and be in community together and get into these life groups and, and as we and do these invitations and as we go out into the community and share God's love, Lord, we pray, we resist the devil in Jesus' name. We look him in the eye and we say, you flee because Jesus told us you have to. We pray in Christ's name, amen.